you don't have to read that book as we're going through this series, but it is a great resource um, that you could add uh, to your summer reading list, perhaps. It's designed like daily devotions. You can read a little bit per day and get through the book in about 40 days. Um, If you've never read it, I encourage you to take a look at it. In week one of our series, we looked at, um, we explored how God loves you, wants a relationship with you, and we talked about how you are called by God. He is inviting you to a relationship with him. He has a plan for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And the last week, we talked about how God loves you and created you for his pleasure, that he delights in you. We are called to live in the love of God, the Father, and in the care of Jesus Christ. We are called, we are invited to enjoy a relationship with him, to be his son or daughter, to experience belonging and acceptance, the comfort of his provision, to experience peace in pain, have courage in the face of challenges, and to worship instead of worrying, because we know the vastness of his love for us. This week, we are talking about belonging. We are called to belong. Now, the desire for belonging, I believe, is a fundamental part of being human. It's crucial for a child's healthy development. That's why our family of origin can make such an incredible impact on us. Sometimes our family of origin provides a great sense of belonging and identity. And sometimes the one place where we should be able to belong and be ourselves is hostile and inhospitable to meaningful relationships and finding belonging. Some family relationships are frustrating, cold, and distant. And even if we have a very positive experience with our family of origin, we continue to look for this belonging in friendships as we grow up. That's why peer pressure is such an important issue. You know, you know as grade eights are winding down as the, you know, the largest and the most uh, you know, mature in the group of elementary schools hit grade nine and something happens, they all start to travel in packs. Have you noticed that? They travel in packs. Um, They listen to the same music, watch the same shows. They all kind of end up wearing the same clothes. You kind of find your group. You get your uniform and lock it in for four years. Now, not everyone is like that, of course, but many are. And belonging, I don't think, is just fitting in. It's the right amount of fitting in as well as standing out as unique. When most people walk into a room, they are asking, is there anyone else here like me? Whether that's a small gathering or a large crowd with a few hundred people, we're trying to find the place where we fit. We're trying to find our people. When people come to church for the first time, they are often asking questions like, are the people here rich or poor? Are they well-educated What kinds of jobs do these people have? Are they uptight? Are they relaxed? What's the dress code here? Will I stand out? Will I fit in? Do I belong here? Now, some people find connections rather quickly. Others take a long time to form those close connections. 
I think we are all hungry for friendship and belonging. Perhaps some of us are actually past the point of hunger. Perhaps we have no appetite at all. But those of us in that situation are perhaps the most malnourished when it comes to belonging. Despite being hungry for connections, friendship is a lost art in our time for several reasons. Most people actually even forget that it's a category. In our over-sexualized world, there isn't room for friendship. Meaningful, deep friendships are often under threat of sexualization. If we are lucky enough to find a sense of belonging, it seems like it's immediately under threat. What if they move? What if I move? What if they just leave me? What if they die? What if we just slowly drift apart? What if someone who's just a little bit cooler, a bit better looking, and more funny than me comes along? See, the reality is sometimes long-term, meaningful relationships disintegrate. I don't know if you've had the chance to experience that. Marriages sometimes fall apart. Kids can disconnect from their parents Sometimes they won't even speak to their parents. Siblings can drift apart. Sometimes they're just at odds, maybe quarreling about what to do with their aging parents. Belonging is fundamental to being human, but it's also very hard to come by. Perhaps you are struggling with belonging this morning. I'm a happily married person. I have positive relationship with my children. I enjoy my coworkers. I have many lasting, long-lasting friendships with many people. I catch up with my extended family throughout the year, and still sometimes I feel like I'm not at home or that I belong in any one of those environments. How many of you have heard of imposter syndrome? Do you know what imposter syndrome is? Now that usually has to do with what you do, your skills or your expertise. Um, in your career, you know, that you're not really qualified to do what you're doing, that you, somehow you've been promoted beyond your capacity and fear that you will be discovered for the fraud that you are. That's kind of imposter syndrome. But I think there's something that's even more uh, deeply disturbing that many people are actually fearing that somehow who we are isn't good enough, that somehow we won't be accepted with our, I think, very deep need for belonging, but also how fragile it is in our world, I think it's really important to see what the Scripture has to say about belonging. Now, last week, Steve talked about how we are often too busy to experience the love of God. It's not that God hasn't demonstrated his love or that he's unwilling to pour it out um, you know, into our experience through his Holy Spirit. It's just that we're sometimes too busy to receive it. And in order to experience it, we need to make time for it. I think something similar is necessary when it comes to belonging. We're going to read several scripture verses here this morning that reemphasize that we are adopted as God's children a part of his family, that we each have a unique and important part to play in his family and in his expanding kingdom. However, 
I feel that many of us already know this, but haven't taken the time to let it sink in. See, when we become Christians, we are invited by Jesus to an incredible celebration, a wedding feast that starts now and goes on into eternity. But we are also invited with many other people. And it's not just a party that we're invited to. We're not just guests. Rather, God is adopting us as his children. And everyone who calls in the name of Jesus for salvation becomes siblings in Christ. We together become the family of God. We belong. We're going to look at a number of scriptures. And I pray that as we do, these things would sink deeply into our hearts. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, and the New Living Translation. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God formed us to be a part of his family from the very beginning. His unchanging plan has always been. Did you catch that? And God's family is his church. 1 Timothy verse 3 four, and starting in verse 14. Like this is Paul talking to Timothy, of course. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. If you're a part of the church, you're a part of his family, and you're called to belong here in the church. Uh, we read our scripture reading for this morning, came from the message translation. Here it is again in the NIV. This is Ephesians 2.19. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now there's a, a mix of a whole bunch of different kinds of metaphors there. It's family, you're adopted, uh, you're a building, uh, you're being put together, you're a temple. We're going to explore some of these metaphors in just a few moments. But it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. I think that's important. Align yourself with the word of God, with Jesus at the center, and you will preserve and protect and invigorate and sustain the community of faith. We will find greater harmony and joy together if we do this. So let's look at the benefits of belonging. And we're going to look at five metaphors that are laid out in the scripture. So we're said to be part of God's family. We are also God's temple. We are Christ's body. Even God's flock, you know, a flock of sheep. We are God's garden. We're going to explore some of this uh, together. So, God's family. And in God's family, I believe that we can learn our true identity. We see that we are children of God. 
We are adopted at a great cost. We become siblings. Um, We have this big brother, Jesus. We are co-heirs with him. We are also citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Actually, I've been thinking about this lately, thinking about baptism. Baptism is like the sign of citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And in another way, communion is also kind of this repeated celebration of our citizenship through remembering Jesus' death and resurrection. And uh, some of you might remember, um, the way that we used to do communion kind of pre-pandemic was a little bit different. We'd invite um, the whole congregation, anybody who was a believer in Jesus, to stand up and actually to move. And we would come to kind of tables where the communion elements were laid out. People would come and they would receive those communion elements and then go back to their seats and we'd celebrate together in that way. And there's nothing perhaps special or magical about moving, but it was this opportunity for people to kind of again stand and say, I am one of the citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And I come in because of what Jesus has done. And you could kind of look around the room and see all of these other people who are affirming and saying, yes, this is my true nation, my true country. And actually, we, we have gone away from doing it that way for a while, but we might bring it back maybe in the fall just as a different way to participate and to get you moving and participating uh, in communion. So we're God's family. We become siblings somehow in Christ, but we are also um, described as God's temple. And there's this way in which we are built together in a supportive way, supportive to one another, but held together by Christ. Again, uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 21, in Christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit, again, we are bricks and stones pulled together, held together by the cornerstone. Uh, This is Romans chapter 1, verse 11. I long to see you so that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. There's something that we do when we are together in supporting one another that is helpful in our faith journeys. We need to support one another, both in the ways that we connect small, but I also think this is a part of how we celebrate big here at Hillcrest. Have you noticed that um, kind of over the summer when there's often less people here because there's traveling and other good things happening, people enjoying the lake or good weather or being involved with camp ministries or that kind of thing, when there's less people here, it seems not the same. And when uh, this room is filled with all kinds of people, when everyone is here, it seems like there's excitement. There's a bit of a buzz. The room is, seems warmer, fuller, more magical somehow. And uh, I often think about that when we are together and supporting one another. Sometimes, even in a crowd of people, we can inspire one another. Like, you know, coals in a fire. When you take a coal out of the fire, it quickly cools. And so we often think about that as, um, you know, a person who is not connected to Christian community, they really start to struggle in their faith and not be able to, you know, walk the walk they want to. They're really struggling and, again, you bring them back into community and suddenly their faith is kind of reinvigorated and they're inspired. But there's also a part that that coal plays when it's in the fire. When when all of the coals are together, it's really hot, (laughs) 
they add heat to one another. Uh, and even in a very indirect way, when you come to church, I'm sure it's good for you. But guess what? <laughs> it also is a blessing to other people when you choose to gather here for worship. Uh, another metaphor that's uh, used in the scripture is this idea that we are Christ's body. Uh, Romans 12, uh, starting in verse 4, says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Again, in some way, you're not just cheating yourself if you don't participate in the community of faith, if you stay home too many Sundays, or if you're not a part of you know, connecting smaller and in meaningful ways with believers. I think you are cheating yourself, but I think you're also cheating other people. You can play a significant part and be a blessing in other people's lives. How many of you have heard that gratitude is a really you know, positive thing to do? That, you know, whether you're a part of any faith community or not, gratitude is a big deal. People talk about this. You're supposed to be, you know, gratitude, practice gratitude. It's very important. Anybody else hear this kind of stuff being talked about? Okay, but we actually often get this wrong. Did you know that the, the most impacting way we experience gratitude is not us saying, I am grateful because of these things. But when someone expresses gratitude for who we are or something that we've done. It's, it's a remarkable difference, actually, in terms of how it affects a person. If you are a part of a community, you're helping, you're serving, you're you know, leaning in, playing your part, being your part in the body. And when someone says, thank you for playing your part, that makes a huge difference in terms of how well we do. It makes a difference in our soul, our spirit, our mind, our body. Uh, and is way more powerful than if you just kind of sit by yourself with a notepad and say, here are the things that I'm thankful for. But instead, actually, we, when someone demonstrates gratitude for the part that you play, it makes a huge difference. We are a body. We each play unique parts. It's that perfect blend of fitting together, but also standing out as unique. You're not just forgotten. You're not just a cog in some machine, but you have a unique part to play. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says this, In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. And you need to recognize that you play a part in affecting each one of us. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 15 says this, If your foot says, if I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if our ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? I think we have to admit that, yeah, we are deeply connected to one another. Um, beyond this metaphor of the body, we see this idea of we are part of God's flock. Uh, we are his sheep. He is the good shepherd. And again, it's a place for, um, where we can receive protection, uh, support, and encouragement. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, this is speaking specifically to church leaders. It says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager 
to serve. Uh, I think very highly of the elders that we have here in our church. I think very highly of the staff that we have, as well as the membership uh, here at Hillcrest. And not only those who are currently serving, but also those who have helped to shape, shape Hillcrest throughout the years. I believe that Hillcrest really is a wonderful church, not without its challenges, but I believe it is led by those who are willing and eager to serve. And I actually think that that's rather rare in the world to find a church uh, like that. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Again, I, I said it earlier, I think I should say it again here, you should go to church because it's good for you. And you should go to church because it's a blessing to someone else. Or, again, that's, you can do that in terms of how we celebrate big like this on Sunday mornings or in those other smaller, smaller gatherings that we have. We encourage you to connect small. You should connect small for your own sake, but also for the sake of others. Other people need you. They need you to be there to share your thoughts and feelings, your perspectives, and to offer your gifts. One of the other metaphors, and we'll finish with this one, is we are God's garden. And somehow in him, we become productive. John 15, 4-5 in the New Living Translations, it says this, a branch cannot produce fruit if it is served or if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You are meant to produce fruit. And the only way you'll be able to do that is if you're connected not only to Christ, but also to his body. If you want to experience greater belonging here at Hillcrest, in this wing of God's global household, here's a few things that you can do based on our scripture reading this morning. Number one, stop wandering. It says you're no longer wandering exiles. I think in some ways we need to stop the endless pursuit of seeking belonging everywhere else and take hold of the truth that God loves us, wants a relationship with us, and wants to give us a place of belonging among his people. Again, I think we need to enter the kingdom of faith. We need to make it our home country. How do you enter the kingdom of faith? Well, I think it's that you need to come to Jesus as your king. We often pray this prayer uh, together on Sundays. It's a commitment that any believer could say at any time, but it's also a great way if you were to make your first prayer uh, to commit to Jesus that you're going to follow him, to come to him and receive his invitation. It simply says this, 
Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we need to make it our home country, as in this, let nothing else define you more than Jesus and being a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Make it your home country. This is where I'm from. This is where I belong. I think we need to build our lives on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I think that's reading and studying and living according to God's word. And I believe that we will find greater unity as we pursue the scriptures together, trusting that God will lead us by his spirit into all truth. So stop wondering. Enter the kingdom of faith. Come to Jesus as your king. Make his kingdom your home country. Build your life on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Here's something else that you can do. Don't be a stranger. It says, don't be strangers. Don't be foreigners. It's quite easy to stay anonymous here at Hillcrest. And we do want to give you respect and space to do that. So you can be a part of what we're doing, observe what we're doing, kind of check it out, and we're not going to push you around. We do want to give you a little bit of space. You can, but you can come regularly on Sunday mornings and really not be known by anyone. That's why we stress the importance of connecting small. We invite you to fill out a connection card. Let us know that you've been here. Join us at a welcome lunch. Fill out a regular attender form. We encourage you to sign up for a life group, to attend Bible studies, to join a ministry team. Those environments are far suited, better suited to finding meaningful connections, friendship, and belonging. I encourage you, open up your life to this community of faith and stop being too private or just kind of polite on Sundays. We encourage you, don't be a stranger. And don't be an outsider. Uh, Don't see yourself as only a guest here. We invite you to be hosts. Um, I had a friend in Newmarket um, when I first when I met Luke. uh, I heard a rule. He had a number of different kind of funny rules. But one of them was this. If your face is on the fridge, you can eat what's in it. It meant, you know, if, if you had given them a picture or a postcard or a Christmas card and they'd put it up on your fridge, if your face was on the fridge, you could eat what was in it. I think that's a pretty good rule. He had a number of other ones too, but one that I thought of for this morning, he said, you're only a guest in my house once. And after that, we're friends. And then I'll expect you to help with the dishes. If you don't want to be an outsider, stop acting like a guest here and start acting like a host. You know, we give you an opportunity most Sundays to stand and greet one another. Are you hoping that someone's going to make you feel welcome like you're a guest here? Or are you shifting into that place where you're saying, I'm going to be a host. This is my home country. I'm going to invite everybody to be a part of this family and to belong here. So don't be an outsider. Don't be a stranger. Also, be used by God here. You know, 
It says in the scripture, now he's using you. You know, he's building something and he's going to use you. Be used. Don't kind of sit on the sidelines. I really encourage you to get involved. Be used. Understand that you have a unique and vital part to play among us. And I think finally, let Jesus hold us together. See, when your Christian brother or sister and you find yourself out of alignment or at odds or drifting from one another, come back to the gospel. It's Jesus who holds us together. He is the cornerstone. Sometimes we end up connecting over common interests, stages of life, parenting styles, similar philosophies, perhaps our political bent, maybe a Christian tradition, but those are not the cornerstone of this house. Those things will not hold us together. Jesus, the cornerstone, is the one who holds us together. Both liberals and conservatives can be held together by Jesus. Those who think the earth is very old and those who think the earth is very young can be held together by Jesus. Jesus brings all nations and cultures together. He brings the rich and poor into one family. So I want to encourage you, if you want to find a home here, make a home here. We want you to belong. I'd like to finish by reading uh, that scripture that we started with again, and then the worship team is going to lead us. Would you stand as I read these scriptures to you? And I pray that, again, in some supernatural way, they would go from things that we have understood or heard before to things that we believe in our hearts. You are no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. And he's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he is building He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus,